Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husson and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 59 of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. Mr. Hughesong, thank you for joining us as always. Love it. Thank you, the uh, wonderful audience, beautiful audience. Uh, thank you for joining us as well. Another Monday uh, here in uh, 2021. Another day of bizarre news stories to cover, I guess, here at the uh, wide world of sports, clicks, and politics. I hope the simulators get sober soon because this is getting out of hand. It's craziness. Um, anything exciting over the uh, weekend? Did you get tested and or vaccinated and or test positive for COVID all in one week, maybe? Uh, I did not. Okay, good. I did not. That would be a, that'd be a wild weekend. Mine was a little more subdued. Uh, did a little hiking, did a little mountain biking with my family, which was very fun. Coached some baseball. Uh, went to a pig roast. Wow. Fantastic. Action packed. Right. I mean, it's a normal weekend in my world. It's <laughs> where we lead very different lives. I got, I got this over the weekend. Ooh, show the folks. So I'm only about a hundred pages in. I haven't, uh, uh, uncovered any new nuggets here to share with you, but I'm sure I will when uh, when I uh, do. But it's uh, that's <clears throat> if you know that's from Julie Brown. She's like the Miami Herald uh, reporter who kind of broke all the case. So this is kind of like a a consolidated uh, 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 rehashing of her whole story there. So it's uh, it's got a lot of detail in it. So I don't know. I'll, I'll again I'll fill you guys in as uh, I get through the end of here. Probably take maybe by next week. I mean, if you're looking for another good book, Uh-oh. I stumbled upon one today. <coughs> the book is, you know, coincidentally or conveniently enough called The Virus. Mm. It was written Topical. It was written a while ago. It was written in 1982. Uh, it's about the government releasing a deadly virus into the population as cover for population control through a forced vaccine. Guess who wrote it? I don't even want to know. Boris Johnson's father. <laughs> That's just fantastic. I'm not going to read that book. No. I'm not either, but oh my God, that's funny. Remember whose father was it that was writing the book about uh, sex, sex slavery? And yeah, it was, uh, it was Donald Barr. Oh, right. right? <laughs> Former Attorney General Bill Barr's father, who then, uh, well, worked for CIA, uh, you know, all during the years when Epstein was getting started. It's just, you know, it's coincidence, obviously, and it's... Yeah. His That's actually mentioned the in the book. Precursor to the <clears throat> CIA. Like, it's just weird. Probably, so yeah, Boris Johnson's dad. That's interesting. I'll have to uh, at least peruse that headline. Send me something about that later. Our, our weekend seemed to be better than uh, a couple golfers. You didn't watch any Olympics? I did not. Me neither. Really. I, well, my my girlfriend was watching the Olympics, so I watched some of whatever she did. I think she was watching All gymnastics right. last night. So Simone Biles, right? She's supposed to be famous. Yeah, she's supposed to be like it's other level that they have to rate her differently because if other gymnasts tried to do what she does, they yeah, she's like making up her own moves in midair, right? And they're like, I guess it's a ten. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, the golf, the golf Olympics took a couple hits over the weekend. Bryson, you sent me this article today. I saw Bryson and John Rahm both out of the Olympics. (laughs) John Rahm, poor John, poor soul. So for those of you that don't know, John Rahm had COVID, 
like a symptomatic case, recovered from it. He was good to go, had antibodies the whole nine. Vaccines roll out. He decides to get vaccinated and do his part. Got vaccinated, so he had it. Then he got vaccinated, and then he tested positive on a PCR test during the memorial, and he tested positive on, I believe, Sunday. It was Saturday or Sunday, when he was in first place with a, with a pretty good lead. Uh, no symptoms, playing an outdoor sport that is naturally socially distanced, but he had to withdraw despite having recovered from COVID and from being vaccinated, but he had a positive COVID test after like three negative ones. He's keeping us safe, Ben. And then the Olympics roll around and the same John Rahm gets another positive PCR test. That's tough luck, man. That's tough. I wonder if they're within 75 days of each other. Doesn't that how long the PCR test stays positive? That's a different story. We'll actually get into PCR later in the end of the show here. So good. We got some of our usual topics. Hunter Biden. Yes. Um, it's never n- nursing homes. Less fun. Yeah. Um, Dr. Paul and Dr. Fauci going at it again. That was that was, that was a good one. That was good. Yeah. I enjoyed that. that. That'll be fun. I, th- I don't think that's going to be the end. of That'll be the last one either. I think they have, uh, I think Ron, or Ran, Ran, I slipped there. Uh, I think Dr. Rand Paul will uh, uh, make sure that there's at least one more round. Uh, it would appear likely. Yes. Um, and then we've seen, I don't know if you see all these countries are having their uh, uprising. Good. Not really talking. Nobody's talking about it though. No, just don't cover it. It doesn't exist. Yeah. And then, of course, we get one of our uh, all-time favorites, uh, uh, FBI foils, FBI terror plot. They're really good at that. <laughs> they love it. It's like their best skill, actually. Oh. All right. Well, let's talk about some craziness in sports here Wait. first. What? You didn't even ask the folks to like, subscribe, get notifications. Well, that's what you're here for. You're supposed to keep me on my what toes. What are you doing over here? Right. Get your stuff well, Listen together, to Mr. Hannah. Q song my and uh, like and uh, share this video because that helps us with the algorithms. You realize I still don't know what that sentence means. You've said it every week for like the last 10 weeks of like, it helps with the algorithm. When I sit here and nod like a moron, like, yeah, algorithm. That's what I hear all the YouTubers say. So I just repeat it. All I can think of is the episode of The Office where uh, Ryan Clark, Ryan Howard comes in and wants to give Jim and Pam a wedding gift. And he's like, I know a guy who's got an algorithm that can predict the outcome of every college basketball game. And I had this moment of, of my life where I went, you know, you can pretty much say algorithm and people will just nod along because nobody really understands what it means outside of very smart people. So I like that. I think that, yeah, help the algorithm, folks. Yeah, all the algorithms. I don't know what that means. I don't either. Sorry. And you can also subscribe to the uh, channel and uh, hit that notification bell and then you'll get notified when we go live here. So, all right, on that note, um, NFL training camps. I guess two teams have already opened. The Steelers and the Cowboys have been open for a week because they got the Hall of Fame game, I guess, coming up. But everybody else opens up tomorrow. Makes sense. Have you seen all the crazy rules that are going on with the uh, vaccination versus unvaccinated uh, NFL players? I have. Because this is going to create a crazy... This might be the most watched training camp. Maybe not the games, but like the most watched as far as like they're going to want to know what's going on with each one of these teams. Because there's going to be a lot of craziness, I feel like. Um but yeah, I, your boy Cole Beasley is kind of front and center, kind of taking on the poster boy of being the unvaccinated NFL players. Took it up with your other boy, Jerry Hughes, on Twitter the other day. They were both going at it back and forth. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't see the exchange, but I do think <clears throat> that it ended with them amicably agreeing to disagree and let's go get a Super Bowl. So let's go through some of the fully vaccinated versus unvaccinated uh, differences for NFL training camps. You ready? I'm in. All right. For these are for the fully vaccinated. No daily testing required. 
Seems okay. fair, right? Masks not required at the club facility or during team travel. So no masks if you're vaccinated. Sure. Um, no physical distancing required club facility with any vaccinated individual. So as long as you're uh, with another vaccinated individual, you can kind of do your thing, right? Sure. Uh, no quarantine required after high risk exposure to COVID. So that means if the uh, if you're uh, the uh, what do they call it? track and trace or whatever they call it these days, uh, you get uh, notified that hey, you were in contact with uh, somebody who was exposed. Uh, there's no uh, no quarantine required. Okay. If you're if you're deemed high risk exposure, no travel restrictions, uh, no capacity limits in the weight room. I'm not guessing that's. Uh, not weight capacities, people capacities. I hope so. <laughs> they probably should have wrote that better. That's all right. Um, may eat in the cafeteria with other fully vaccinated individuals. Hey. So you can eat with other uh, clean people. Thank and uh, no restrictions on social media, marketing, sponsorship opportunities. Apparently, they you're free to make money outside of the NFL if you're fully vaccinated. <laughs> so kind of. <laughs> That's them. the first I read that. I'm like, what? Um, may use sauna and steam room. Nice. Uh, luxury. And may interact with vaccinated family friends during team travel. Okay, let's flip to the unclean people. Sure. Testing required every day. Naturally. Mask required at a club facility and during travel. I mean, obviously. Must remain physically distanced from others in club facility. So, sure. you know, I guess you can throw a ball back and forth with each other. Is that distance? Uh, must quarantine after high risk exposure. So if you're, uh, somebody, your buddy or whatever, somebody you're with is, uh, uh, deemed uh, positive or something like that, you are, uh, you must quarantine. It doesn't say how long you must quarantine. I'm assuming that's until some kind of further notice travel restrictions in effect. No further, uh, uh elaboration on that. So I'm assuming that there's going to be some kind of travel with only unclean, unvaccinated people as well, I guess. 15 player limit in the weight room. So do they have two weight rooms or do they have shifts? I, my guess is shifts. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go wait, is it 15 unvaccinated at once or if yes. it was one unvaccinated, can there only be 15 even if they're vaccinated? I wonder if just one. Yeah, I'm guessing if you're vaccinated, you're not going to hang out with the unvaccinated, right? You know, this is probably why it's... it's this is so dumb. Yeah, I'm going to keep reading. Go ahead. Sorry. Players must be physically distanced in meal room. May not eat with teammates. You're unclean. Go sit in the corner. Staff must grab and go. No meals in the cafeteria. So if you're unvaccinated staff, you can't even be around us. It's amazing. Them. Sorry. That's okay. No social media marketing sponsorship activities permitted. So you can't make money if you're unvaccinated outside of your paycheck. Reasonable. Seems. How is social media? What? 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 What, how how do they not have media opportunities? How is that? Whatever. Never mind. May not use sauna or steam room. And may not leave team hotel to eat in restaurants. May not interact with anyone outside of team traveling party during team travel. So they're making it extremely difficult for the unvaccinated NFL players. I can see why they're pissed. Yeah. Can we, before we dive into this, can I just point out something here? Sure. Every time that somebody who's vaccinated gets COVID, which seems to be happening more and more, the the response is always, it doesn't guarantee that you're not going to get it. It just means that you're not going to get as sick and you won't end up on a ventilator. And that's really what the point of the vaccine is, which first off, mind-boggling goalpost shifting, but you know, good for you. Because that's normally what we think of when we think of vaccines is I'm still going to get it, but not get as sick. That's why I got my smallpox vaccine. I'm hoping to just get a mild case of smallpox, but okay. Accepted. 
think about that claim in light of these rules. So I don't need to get tested regularly if I'm vaxxed, even though the point is not that I won't get it. It's just that I won't get as sick, but I don't need to wear a mask. I don't need to get tested. I can be around everybody. So there's a disconnect here for me of like, well, what is it? Well, they're 94% effective at preventing symptomatic cases of COVID. Well, well, how does it do with preventing preventing asymptomatic cases of COVID? Because that's what most of these guys, what John Rahm's got, that's what a lot of these athletes are ending up with. Well, shut up. All right, cool. Sorry, I just, the, the, the divergence in logic there is hard for me to wrap my brain around. Oh, it's, they don't even care. It's, there's not trying to make sense here. They're just trying to, to dictate, really. But this all comes on the fact that the NFL has basically threatened forfeits for these teams, right? So the teams yeah. are, are not going to lose games that are going to cost them, you know, potentially tens of millions of dollars uh, for losing games and missing the playoffs or whatnot. So, Crazy times in the world of sports here. We got the Olympics and the NFL still mired down in uh, COVID nonsense. I mean, it's it seems as though we should be past this already, and it's not even – we're still, like, literally deep, knee-deep in it. Yeah, I mean, listen, everybody wants – and I guess locally it makes sense that Cole Beasley is sort of the focal point, but even nationally he's becoming like a lightning rod figure as if he's this overly privileged white guy in the NFL, who's um, just anti-vax and that he's putting all the other NFL players at risk. In reality, there's a lot of NFL players that are coming out and kind of being like, no, I I don't want it. DeAndre Hopkins is one of the bigger names. Tom Brady is, you know, I don't think you can get a bigger name. Josh Allen, didn't he come out and said he wasn't getting it? Josh Allen hasn't spoken about it in a long time, but he said a while ago, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure. I've got a lot of questions, and I haven't heard any updates since then. I had a friend that asked me, like, do you think Cole Beasley's just doing this to cover Josh Allen? Because if everybody's looking at him, I said, yeah, but I, I can admit that's probably just wishful thinking on my part. I, that makes sense, though, because, I mean, I don't know. Again, Cole Beasley basically hinted that he was protecting younger players yeah. at, at the beginning, right? So he said, you know, I've been in the league 10 years. I am who I am. You know, I'm coming, off my, my I'm coming off my best season kind of thing, right? <laughs> right? So, like, I'm like, I'm you know, I'm in a position where I can – I, I've, I've, dev- I am, I've identified who I am. People, you know, the NFL is going to, they still want to make money. We'll, we'll be interested to see if there's a, a like a, a blackballing, if you will. I don't want to, I'm going to make a poor comparison to the Colin Kaepernick thing, but just in a general, if there's this narrative that the NFL is going to try to uh, push its players in one direction and they're going to stand up against it, we'll see if the teams I don't will think rally. So push back against this. I but. doubt it because ultimately what the NFL has shown is that if you have enough talent, they'll basically deal with anything that, that comes along. And I mean, look, Michael Vick is a, is an example of this, of like, there was no reason to bring him back. That, that, that guy's reputation was shot, but he did. Uh, there's a defensive end. I'm blanking on his name right now. The, the cow, Greg Hardy, Greg Hardy, like, I don't even know the whole story, but let's just go with domestic violence of like, through the roof domestic violence and Dallas Cowboys are like, well, we'll give you a one year deal. Uh, and I think the Kaepernick issue is very, uh, I, don't I mean, know. he's the one, I mean, he's the only one. Like Ray Rice out, is the other one that, yeah. that basically was, couldn't get a job. And, and that's what I said. Rice was kind of at the end of his career, especially as a running back. But Kaepernick, I mean, Listen, know, he still thing, holds, he still, he still holds playoff like quarterback records. My thing on, Ka- on Kaepernick is though, there was a regression. Like it's, it's not, it's not, like a secret that he had regressed significantly. And I have very little doubt. Look, if, if 
Colin Kaepernick had Deshaun Watson's level of talent, he'd been back in the league. And it's not that he was a bad player, but I think all these NFL teams just go, all right, he's a really good backup or a average starter. So if you bring that in, and then the ridiculous controversy that's then going to come with it, what does that do to our team? And not, I think that is the question most of them asked. Of like, yeah, I don't think all the teams were necessarily anti-Kaepernick. No. They were just anti-drama, and they yeah, were like, okay, and, you know, some of them probably were, and whatever. Sure, um, I think some of them admitted they were, but well, but some of them, it's just a is it? It's it a cost benefit analysis. It. Yeah, it right? wasn't worth it. But whereas Deshaun Watson is like currently facing. <clears throat> God bless the team masseuse for the Texans. Well, that's going to be awkward when camp when he's when needs a massage. Uh, like 21 allegations of inappropriate sexual yeah. advances. Uh, and you know what? The, there's probably five teams that are getting ready to trade for the guy. Like, But, there's, but you know, back to the comparison, there's way more seemingly outrage over the whole ant, being an anti-vaxxer than all those other things. It's amazing. So It's amazing. to like. And here's the thing. If you guys really want to break down the data, there's one factor above all else. If you're under the age of, let's go with 65, and in reality, I think it's it's even higher than that, but I want to be generous. Under age 65, there is a single factor that will indicate the likelihood of you having a significantly severe case of COVID and or dying. And that, that one symptom above all else, a hypertension matters and diabetes appears to have some role. It's obesity. It's it. Oh, the, anybody under the age of 65 who is getting significantly, I shouldn't say anybody, I know there's always exceptions, don't jump down my throat. For the most part, anybody who's going to die of COVID is because they're obese under the age of 65. It's, it's usually fairly morbid levels of obesity at that point too, but it's obesity. There's not a whole lot of NFL players that are obese. There's not. Yeah, Nate Newtons of the world are gone. Right. It's a, it's a shame, but Cole Beasley is not obese. All right. DeAndre Hopkins, Tom Brady, these guys, these are not obese people, and I get it. Well, they could spread it to somebody else. Again, asymptomatic spread is so shockingly rare, or pre-symptomatic spread, asymptomatic spread, we're not even sure, really drives anything. Um, it's like it's less than 1% of all, of all instances of spread are, are asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic. So you're playing for this ridiculous exception from these the healthiest people we have in this country. Uh, who's healthier than a professional athlete in this country? Yeah, very few people. Almost nobody. Yeah, right. So now you, you're you okay with all these rules and all these people looking down on them and casting them out and, like, you have to eat in different rooms and whatever else. The Pittsburgh Steelers are making all their unvaccinated players wear, like, a yellow wristband. Well, all these players are going to have a actual tracking monitoring device so you can keep track of who's vaccinated and who's vac- vac- unvaccinated. So that's, it's, that's crazy. I'm not saying it's illegal or unconstitutional. I get the NFL is a private entity. It's just weird, and it's just... I'm uncomfortable it's, with it. It's, but nobody should be, you know, shocked that these players are are upset about these rules. Like right. that's the point. Is people are like, well, this is what you should get. Like kind of like guilting the players into this, but like they deservedly should be upset. So yeah, I, listen, Ezekiel Elliott came out and that when somebody pointed out the rules to him, he goes, "Wait, they're going to take away game checks?" And the guy's like, "Yeah." Say, whoa. So, well, you know, what about you? He goes, look, I came from a family where we didn't get vaccinated as a child. I did get this vaccine. I chose to do it from whatever this, but man, I'm not ready to tell somebody else they have to, or I'm going to take away their paycheck. Like I, I, that's crazy. And everybody looks like, Oh, you're so dumb. How could you even think that way? It's like, we've hit full stupid on a bunch of professional athletes. And again, if there's no symptoms, the chance of spreading is so low 
Like, and again, apparently the claim to fame on the vaccine is not that you won't get it and won't spread it, but it's just that uh, you're less likely. So by all means, let's only test them once a week instead of every day, because that's going to be a really good example of what to do. Yeah. yeah I'm at a loss. It's, it's crazy times. Um, let's switch a little bit gears. And uh, we had a, a, a talk briefly about the, uh, we had a kind of a big, I say big, a uh, uh, a noticeable bump in crypto over the last like uh, four, five, six, seven days or something like that. Uh, Bitcoin was down at one point below a thirty again. It's uh, got up to thirty nine seven, t- sniffed forty thousand uh, yesterday. So uh, and all the other cryptos seem to be uh, following along here in, in suit. So I saw most of the major ones up like eight, eight to twelve percent. So happy days a little bit for a lot of- all those crypto lovers like myself, I guess. So. Hopefully, more of that to come in the, uh, uh, the in the in the in the continued future for to the moon anyway. And then your boy Hunter Biden's back in you know the news. Um, did you see he's going to meet with prospective buyers? I did. Do you think this is part of the White House's confidentiality confidentiality agreement? Uh, obviously, like Hunter, go meet the people, talk to them, and then don't tell us about it. Well, if there's any family that has. A reputation that is just beyond reproach. It is the Biden family. So if there was ever a family that I would believe was going to honor this agreement and not do any sort of shady dealings so under the table. They get the benefit of the doubt in your mind. Every yeah. time. Okay. Ten times out of ten. Twice on Sundays. Yes, they get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, not for me. I, this, whatever. <laughs> this is so dumb. Like I, I, There's no way this actually happens, right? These art shows are not going to happen. I think it is. I don't think they happen. This is I the think enough. I think nobody cares. A- nobody cares. That's the problem. This is happening in plain sight in front of everybody, and nobody cares. All you get in response from people is like, yeah, but what about when Trump had Jared Kushner take over Middle East negotiations? Like, yeah, because that's the same thing, obviously. Listen, I, how did... how did we, There's two of them. Have, we talked about the one in New York City. There's one in California, too. Have we even and discussed... All right, it's been since the election eight months. Hey, did we go over Hunter Biden's laptop? Have we heard again from Tony Bobolinsky about what he meant by Joe Biden is the big guy? There's a new video out. Did we did we go through anything where he's got text messages from family members to Hunter Biden saying, Don't worry, I won't take half like dad does? Have we has anybody looked into that whatsoever? Or are uh, we all still pretty sure it's Russian disinformation? And uh, you think this isn't gonna happen? You're high. I don't know. I feel like they're starting to it's starting to be absurd that this show is actually a thing. This passed absurd so long ago, it's not even funny. It was. It started to get a little bit iffy when Joe Biden originally ran for president back, and I think it was the 2000 election, and his sister was the campaign manager, and don't get me wrong, took exorbitant fees for managing the campaign, but that's pretty standard stuff, but then consulted with other companies and paid them hefty fees, of which she was an owner of the company. Like, again, not completely ridiculous. That's where it started to get a little ridiculous of like, all right, guys, come on. We all know this happens, but dial it down a little. And then his brother comes out and they set uh, the government, the State Department went down to, was it Costa Rica? And they set up this whole power plant that we paid for and they got it all built for him and our and our goodwill towards other people thing and they were like well we got to have somebody now run this thing since it's already set up because we don't want to be just there all the time so you know we got to have somebody got to have somebody run this thing and charge people and make the money now that all of the expenses are gone maybe we could find a qualified person who'd they find sean um 
Do you have a name? Joe Biden's brother. That's the guy who got that contract. Right. That's convenient. So that's that's ridiculous. All right. The Hunter Biden serving on the board of Burisma. Well, his father is the point person for U.S. strategy in the Ukraine, collecting eighty three thousand dollars a month. Meanwhile, the board members on Exxon Mobil, that beacon of corporate ethics, were only making twenty thousand dollars a month. Okay, so just for comparison sakes here, we all acknowledge ExxonMobil is maybe the most, I don't want to say that, is a very ethically bankrupt company, all right? They don't even have the balls to pay somebody $80,000 a month to be on their board. They're like, yeah, 20 is a little ridiculous, but nobody will say anything. Hunter Biden's over there making 80 grand a month. Or how about when Hunter Biden was a board member on the Chinese company that got and stole nuclear secrets after President Obama approved them to buy a United States nuclear company? We passed ridiculous so long ago. This is laughable. This now that Hunter Biden's just coming out like, well, I'm a first time artist with no training. And the, the dude that's running the archer was like, yeah, but the truth in his work is really what speaks. Shut up. This is the most blatant, corrupt money grab in the history of the world. I, don't get me wrong. Donald Trump and his entire Let's administration were so, so like so much nepotism and like, oh, yeah, we're all going to stay at Trump Tower. That's weird. Or the Saudi consulates like booking out a year's worth of hotel rooms at Trump Towers right after he wins. Like, I, listen, none of that was OK. But why is this? This is nuts. Like, we're not we're going to look the other way. And all I could think is like. Do you want more Trump? Because this is how you get more Trump. Because this is just blatant. And you're looking at all of the people that are voters in this country and being like, eh, screw you. (laughs) Cool. If they happen, we should go. If what happens? There's art shows. Oh, hell yeah. I will buy some art from Hunter Biden. I hope it's free to get in. I hope it's $15. All right. Let's let's talk about the FBI a little bit here. Can we defund the FBI, maybe? Uh, probably not, <laughs> it would seem. So I want to read uh, uh, from Glenn Greenwald, my boy, um, from his Substack. So, and this is, we talked about this, I can't remember what show it was, where um, how 1-6, the January 6th, the uh, quote-unquote insurrection was going to be used as like a Patriot Act 2.0, and it seems as though that seems to be barreling towards us here. If we have such a, if white supremacist and this notion is such maybe the biggest, uh, I think Biden claimed was the biggest uh, threat to uh, America was domestic terrorism. Why does it take the FBI to create their own uh, terror plots for them to catch a terrorist? It's, so backwards. Like Maybe if this was if this was really a, a threat, they wouldn't have to make shit up, right? So, real quick, sorry, I'm I'm burying the lead here. So, it turns out that twelve of the eighteen purported kidnappers of Governor uh, Michigan Governor Whitmer were FBI informants or undercover agents. If I if I read so that twice correctly. twice as many than were actually like two times as many people were on the take. Then who were actually part of the the group that supposedly kidnapped the the or planned the kidnap, and one of them was second in command too, and they literally planned the whole thing. Every major every major you know decision was basically this, done by these FBI informants, and so we both been kind of uh, dismissive of the idea that January sixth was a insurrection of any note, 
of any sort, I guess. And it turns out that there's undercover FBI agents there. Well, at least one. We covered that a few episodes ago, and we're sure that he's not alone. I've heard as upwards of high as 20 that were there. So is this really... (laughs) I don't know if false flags are the right thing, but maybe it's fa- they're domestic false flags in a sense to try to get this surveillance state amped up even more and to focus it and target American citizens. And it feels like the FBI has been a uh, complicit actor in making this happen. It's hard to argue the other point at this at this juncture of like with everything we know. The one video uh, came out with the, the guy with the MAGA hat on January 6th going, yeah. and we're going to go into the building. Yeah, it was January 5th. It was the day before. We're going to get in. We're going to go in. And then some people started booing him like, no. And he's yeah, they like, were calling him out fed. Peacefully. Peacefully. <laughs> like, fed. 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 And then I didn't receive the rest of the video, but it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, Did you but, see who was right next to him in that little clip? The yeah, little I don't ant- know who that is, though. That's the Antifa guy. Okay. We covered him before. He was the guy who was, I mean, he was right there when Ashley Babbitt got shot. He was the one basically uh, uh, video recording everything. But that was the idea that there was no Antifa there, but then he was was there. (laughs) So, but this this bigger story, though, is that if there's this threat from domestic terrorism, the FBI is behind it. It's hard to argue. I, I mean, honestly, and the FBI will freely acknowledge that, look, you don't, this is the way the federal government works. You need money to, for your organization. You want more money for your particular branch. And if you came out and just said, all right, there's minimal threat of this happening, there's minimal threat of that happening, and, and for the most part, we won the war on terror, so we're not overly worried about that, but we got to keep on surve- surveying or surveilling the, the landscape then you're not going to get a big budget. But if you come out and be like, there are 4,215 white supremacist organizations in the country, that sh- that demonstrates a 90% increase, and it is the gravest threat facing America today. And then you ask, like, just a few follow-up questions of, hey, how many of those groups have, like, you know, more than two members? Well, you know, like 30 of them. Oh, okay, cool. But let's keep counting all of them. You'll notice they never talk about how many active white supremacists there are. It's always white supremacist groups that that are cited. It's never number of it's never the individuals that are cited as a number. Because the numbers don't add up. If you if you start looking at the actual numbers, be even like under the Southern Poverty Law Center's definition of what constitutes a white supremacy group, which is let's just call it broad, and then you bring in like, all right, for every person that's involved. Let's assume that they have five family members and five, and then five other people that are also involved because we don't see the whole picture. Even with all of that, and even if you assume that the Southern Poverty Law Center is wrong by half, that there's actually twice as many groups, all of these things checking out, it's still well under 1% of the population that would be white supremacists. And in a country of 330 million people, don't get me wrong, it's a lot of people, but it also seems kind of ridiculous to call that this grave threat facing America. I don't know any white supremacists personally. I've never met any, but it seems kind of dumb. So that being said, the FBI comes out, and they're involved in this plot to catch Governor Whitmer. They're obviously involved on some level with January 6th of whatever in the world was happening there. At some point, you have to ask the question of like, hey, if the crime is that bad, maybe you shouldn't be two-thirds of the group that did it. Like, may, maybe you could have been one-third, and that would have seemed like overkill. Like, maybe maybe one informant in a group trying to kidnap a governor. Is, yeah, I mean, it's 18 people. It's a big group, man. It's a big group. Well, this is said. So, you know, everybody gets, you know, called a conspiracy theorist if you're questioning 
that it wasn't just MAGA guys, you know, storming the Capitol, uh, thinking that they were going to, I don't know, kidnap Pelosi or whatever it was. Like, it just wasn't that. That that, that thing, that whole whatever, whatever happened on 1-6, I, we'll never know all the, 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 the wheels and cogs that were tur- turning that day, but... You know, I, I remember seeing videos during this just recently too. I saw that video that you were mentioning, and then I also saw a video of a guy in a MAGA hat yelling at basically riot police, geared up, being like, "What are you guys doing? Why aren't you stopping this? You know, why are yeah. you not calling for backup? Like, what what is going on here?" And yeah. so, and we already saw them the the Capitol police removing the barriers and allowing people and ushering them in through the Capitol. So or opening a door for right. nobody was even banging on. And, and they had to tell, like, get their attention and be like, oh, come on. And so there were clearly forces ensuring that people entered the Capitol. There's still nothing funnier than them walking between the lines. Yeah. Than them the- following the roped off sections and following right along the path. Like, oh, what an insurrection. Everybody, please, orderly fashion, right along the line. But so to question the idea that the our government might be behind that seems like to, to call that a conspiracy theory or dis- dismiss it as impo- impossible is seems naive to me. I agree. I'm not saying it's necessarily true either, but the idea that sure. you would dismiss it offhand seems ludicrous. Of like you're just not paying attention to what our government actually is because this is right up their alley. I'm sorry, but it is. So I don't know what to do with that information exactly, other than to say, look, you got people on January 6th that showed up to protest, riot, whatever. Fine. You want to send a message to them that this is not okay. All right, cool. Probably could have done that, you know, last summer when people stormed the halls of Congress over Justice Kavanaugh's hearings. But all right, fine. Better late than never. You want to do it now. I'm not here to accuse anybody of bias. Maybe just cite them with trespassing. The thing is, they could have stopped this in its tracks. I'm aware. Well before. Again, they had their reasons, obviously, for allowing this to happen that are somehow legitimate that I don't understand. But okay, I'll give you that one, too. There's people that are still sitting in a jail cell since January 6th with have not faced trial yet. A Viking guy. But they're still sitting in a jail cell, and we have a right to a speedy trial in this country for a reason. Because every day that you spend in jail, ineligible for parole, or not parole, ineligible for bail or to be able to get out, what if you have a job or a business to run or a family to take care of, but you're sitting in jail without a trial for six months? For walking through a door that somebody opened? I'm sorry, but that's nuts. Even if you were one of the protesters and forced your way through, I actually fully think you should be charged with criminal trespass or whatever else you can you can get. But your trial should have happened already, or you should have been released on your own recognizance. Seeing as how apparently they can find everybody and anybody at the January 6th uprising... With uh, with all these digital sleuths online sending the FBI, oh, yeah, you guys are going to end up being really good people in the terms of historical views. Don't worry. It's always the people that, that turn on strangers that are always the good guys. Just like those who cl- want censorship, always the winning side of history. Cl- want more censorship. It's really good for you. It's but been a successful division of the people. It's insane to watch this happen. Why have these people not been tried? Why are, what is, what, what evidence do you need that you don't have? What data are you, are you waiting on to see if it meets some criminal definition? Like it's all video recorded. It's all right there. Put them on trial or give them a plea. And this is why people are pleading guilty because they've been sitting in jail for six months waiting. And then finally they're like, well, we're going to charge you with five counts of trespassing. But if you plead guilty to one, we'll leave it at that. No trial. Like, well, how long will the trial take? Can't be sure. 
maybe another six months, could be a year. Depends. There's a lot of moving parts. You tell me you're sitting in that jail cell, you're not going to go, all right, fine. Just I got to get out of here. I can't do this anymore. I can't sit here indefinitely. Most people can't. That's why it's wrong. That's why we have the right to a speedy trial in this country. That's, that's the biggest. That's why we have the right to an attorney in this country, so that the government cannot just willfully force you and coerce you into doing things. I know it's a crazy idea, and even if you are the most liberal human being on the planet and you hate everybody with a red hat and you think that it is the equivalent of the KKK hood, you still need to see why this is wrong. You want to bomb guilty? You want to send a message? Great. Whack them all with 90 days in jail and a massive fine to make sure nobody ever does this kind of stupidity again. You and I discussed this previously. It was stupid. Of course it was stupid. Every protest is stupid because it always ends badly. It's mob mentality. It's going to go bad. You show up, bad things happen. This is still wrong. There will be a riot if they try to make me wear a mask again. Just for the record. Um, let's switch... Well, kind of staying on topic a little bit about uh, justice, uh, the Department of Justice, the uh, the federal DOJ there, has dropped the uh, civil rights investigation into uh, multiple states in their nursing home, uh, or I guess uh, actions about sending uh, sick patients back into nursing homes. So that will not be investigated as a civil rights violation from the Department of Justice. Not really sure why. People are kind of pissed. Weird. The, uh, the state investigation continues, but, you know, who knows? So uh, what you're saying is that Andrew Cuomo made the right call by suppressing all of the data and information to avoid a DOJ investigation until Donald Trump's DOJ was no longer in charge, and then it was the Biden DOJ. And I think, I think maybe we discussed this at the time and said, if Biden ends up winning, there's no way the DOJ is going to go after these Democrat blue states for their nursing home orders. I think that was what we said. It sucks being right this often. Yeah, I, I mean, just like, want to so, be wrong. It was New York, uh, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. So it says at this time. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's a. I'll hold my breath. Wiggle room for that. But uh, disappointing for the folks who uh, you know have been calling this out for months and months, if not over a year and a half now. Over so. a year. Like we started talking about this last May. Of like, yeah. wait, 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 when did that order change? What happened? And then it came out, and Andrew Cuomo's top eight admitted, yeah, we were covering it up. We just didn't want the Trump DOJ to investigate us. And everybody was like, well, that makes sense. Yeah, well, I guess it worked, as you pointed what? out. So, What uh, world do we, this is what I mean. The simulators need to stop drinking. This is getting absurd. Why is this okay? Why is this normalized? Why is everybody just kind of going like, well... You know, only three or four, I think it was six states had a nursing home order that sent people in and they all got people killed. And everybody's like, well, we just didn't know. Like, well, apparently 44 other states were able to figure it out and not send people to their death for no good reason. I don't know. Maybe we could have asked, maybe looked around a little bit, but no. And then, I don't know, maybe covering up data from a federal investigation is is typically not encouraged. I, maybe I'm wrong. But I, I could have sworn that's what you get in trouble for is covering up data and information to avoid being investigated for the sole purpose of avoiding investigation is is usually frowned upon. At least it was when I was when I was a little younger and, and learning this stuff. Like last year. Like in law school when they taught me that was wrong. And if you if you were a lawyer and you had a client do that, you had to advise them not to because that in and of itself could be determined to be a crime. Because you would be, you know, obstructing justice. 
Yeah, the whole investigation of our, our governor seems to be a farce. Yeah. Okay. Dang it. Nice. Um, well, another investigation that I think will, uh, I don't know if it'll be a farce, but it'll be fun if it happens is, uh, so Rand Paul's seeking criminal referral against Fauci over the Wuhan lab leak about his, uh, lies to Congress, uh, saying that, uh, that he and the, uh, folks at the NIH or the NAIED and the, uh, funds at, uh, or the, the side gig there at Eco Alliance uh, did not fund the Wuhan lab. And basically, as uh, Rand Paul was suggesting that he's dancing around the words, basically trying to, you know, use the gain of function terminology uh, just enough to keep himself uh, clean and uh, away from responsibility. So I don't know. You, you saw the uh, exchange there uh, with uh, Dr. Paul. Any uh, takes on that real quick? Yeah, it's it's very obvious. All right, look, I'm not a scientist. I'm not that smart. But let's just play follow the logic. So the NIH was funding EcoHealth, and then that money was being directly taken from there and sent over to Dr. Is it Lee? Uh, she. Dr. She, sorry. Dr. She at the Wuhan Institute to work on novel coronaviruses and working with spike proteins on effects of transmissibility from bats into humans, okay? That's that's all in the record as a given. Now, Fauci's claim is, well, that, that doesn't meet the definition of gain-of-function research. That's different, and Dr. Paul, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, fine. So you're saying that we did fund it. I mean, yes, we didn't send the check directly to Wuhan, but if I pay Sean $1,000 and then Sean goes and donates that money to David Duke, you're going to be able to tell me that I credibly funded white supremacy, right? Like that, that I couldn't say, no, I didn't. I gave it to Sean did. I just gave it to Sean. I had no idea what was going to happen. You, you wouldn't believe me for a second, nor should you. So, all right, we funded EcoHealth, which then directly went to that. Now, here's where it gets really funny. During the Obama administration, I want to say it was in 2014, they put a moratorium on all federal funding of gain of function research. So no longer could we use federal dollars to fund gain of function research unless you could apply for an exception to show that it was in the national security interest or there was an overwhelming compelling public health reason that we should be funding this specific gain of function research. So this test is ongoing down at Wuhan. All these, all these experiments are already ongoing but of course they need more money. So they apply for more funds from NIH and applied for an exemption from the moratorium on gain of function research. And they were approved for the exemption for gain of function research. And now we're going to come back and say it wasn't gain of function research. Then why did the people doing the work feel the need to apply for an exemption And why did the people granting the exemptions, Dr. Fauci, say you are exempt, not, no, don't worry, this doesn't meet the definition, so you don't need an exemption. No, 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 the exemption was granted. I'm sorry. And now you want to turn and say this, well, what changed? Because apparently in 2015, this did meet the definition of your definition of -of gain-of-function research, but now it doesn't anymore. Did the research change? Did the census or did the scientific consensus on what is gain of function research change? Or are you trying to find enough gray area for a legalese argument to say, like, oh, I don't know what the definition of the word is, is 
Remember that? Mm-hmm. God, that was so innocent in hindsight. I miss those days. So I, that's my takeaway is Dr. Uh, Fauci is lying. It's not hard. It's not difficult to comprehend that he's lying. I think it's overwhelmingly likely. Again, I'm not a scientist, so I'm always open to the prospect that I'm wrong because God knows scientists are never wrong, but I'm not one, so I could be. It doesn't make sense to me. Why apply for the exemption? Why was the exception approved? Why did all of these things occur if it wasn't gain-of-function research? That's the question I need answered. Yeah, and Dr. Paul points out the paper. He you know cites it. There's a definition of gain-of-function from the NIH that he that he quotes, and then you read through the paper, and they mention gain of function. It's not even like it's they're trying to hide right. it. Like I said, they're they're as you point out, they're they're going through the protocols as if it's gain of function. So to sit here and testify in front of Congress uh, that it's not gain of function, and Paul, Doctor Paul, gave him a chance to retract the uh, uh, the statement uh, by uh, you know prefacing it by saying that lying to Congress is a crime. So before you, would you want to retract the statement? And he said no, and I stand by my statement. So. I'm interested to see uh, Dr. Paul uh, kind of take this one step further, and he says he's going to file this criminal referral, so we'll see if uh, see if it goes anywhere. Yeah, we'll, uh, It should. We'll report on that, I'm sure, in the future. Hey, guys, I don't know how to tell you this. We funded gain-of-function re- gain research in China. That's what we did, 100%. Even if it didn't lead to the outbreak of this virus, which seems less likely than not to me, but okay, cool. I think it probably did come from there, but even if it didn't, we still funded game of gain of function research. Yeah. It's not really a debatable point. We we funded it. If we didn't fund it, why did we need a moratorium on it? And then why were they asking for exemptions to so that you could get around the moratorium? Oh, and just as a friendly reminder to anybody who doesn't know this yet, of all of the people that applied for exemptions to gain of function research, Sean, how many were denied? Zero. Zero. We gave every single exemption. Anytime you could come in and be like, I want to show that this virus that could basically mutilate the population, I'd like to see how it could affect humans, so I want to change it so it could be transmissible in humans. That seems really dangerous. Why would you want to do that? Uh, National security. Approved. I think we we missed our calling. What was our calling? I don't know. We should have been those people applying for exemptions and get all that grant money. (laughs) Let's, so this is kind of like a little mini microcosm of uh, maybe a global uprising here. This Dr. Paul, the uh, populist uh, whatever senator, and uh, Dr. Fauci, the uh, face of the establishment. It seems a bunch of these countries, and not all exactly the same time, and not all exactly the same way, and not all using the same terminology, but places like Cuba and Haiti we've talked about here a little bit, um, but... You know, there was massive protest in, in the United Kingdom, in London specifically, in in uh, France, in Italy, in uh, there's uprisings in right now in South Africa and Iran. Uh, the world is coming apart at the seams, Mr. Hughesong. Yeah. Do you think it's the under uh, the backbone of this whole thing is the lockdowns in general? I mean, I feel like they're trying to make it uh, an anti. Uh, we don't have enough vaccines. Uh, protest but that's not what it is people are basically bringing signs like well, i don't care about the vaccine i want my freedom right so i feel like there's there's been a a, a you know noticeable disconnect between the elite the establishment whatever and the people and it seems to be growing you know for for decades in my in my view um i think this last year and a half has amplified that and i think the people are pissed 
and I'm interested to see how long the uh, the establishment tries to hold hold on and to whatever authority they think they have claimed over the last year and a half. Yeah, I, mean, I think the lockdowns and um, other restrictions are sort of the it's the right word here. Just the catalyst for for what has been underlying for some time, which is like the, the the people are fed up of like enough's enough. Stop, just leave me alone. Let me have my life, my liberty, my pursuit of happiness, and not just in America, but in other places as well. Um, and as the government continues to try to exert more and more and more control and more direct influence on your daily life, there's a natural reaction from people to go no. And then especially once you start, the hypocrisy sets in and you see the hypocrisy firsthand of like the politicians going on vacations after they banned everybody else from leaving the state or the guy who designed the stupid model that said all these people are going to die. We need to quarantine immediately. It's our only hope. And then he gets caught going to his mistress's house, breaking the old, the rules that he they, that were implemented based on his recommendation. Uh, and then you've got the governor of California sitting down to dinner right after telling everybody else, don't go out to eat. You can't do it. It's not allowed. And then lying and being like it was an outdoor event. And then the pictures came out and they're all sitting at a table inside with no masks. Or how about Australia prepares for fifth lockdown because the first four worked? We're going to do a fifth? Like at what point do you acknowledge this doesn't work? And you're asking people to be stupid. And you can... Abe Lincoln said it very well. You could fool some of the people all the time. You could fool all of the people some of the time. You can't fool all of the people all of the time. And people are starting to wake up. People are starting to realize, look, if masks worked, we would see something in results by this point. But we don't. It's not there. If lockdowns worked, we would be able to clearly delineate between what did and did not work, who did and did not lock down, and what time frame and everything else. Didn't work. Well, I mean, it worked for Sweden. Because they didn't lock down. They're at, I think, something like, I don't know, 11 straight days at zero deaths. Uh, shocking. Shocking. No no, no uh, Delta spike there in uh, the Sweden. So just, again, so, it's almost as if they followed 100 years of pandemic planning and preparation as recommended by every World Health Organization and National Health Organization in the world, except 2020 out of China. Everybody else is basing this off of China's response in 2020. Every guidance of public health previous to that recommended avidly against widespread lockdowns and widespread quarantine of healthy people. Every one of them. And look, like it or not, lockdowns kind of are uh, an option for the rich or for the privileged. Like, you can get through it. It, It's such a disproportionate impact on the poorest people. And then you're going to guilt these people on top of it of like, oh, you're going to kill people. Like, I'm dying. Like, what do you want me to do? I like I need I need to have some food. I need to have income. I need to have this of like how could you think about money at a time like this? By the way, nothing says you have money like being able to say that sentence. How could you think about money at a time like this? It's easy when you have money to think that way. It's not so easy when you don't have money. All right? Because whether you like it or not, people need money to buy food and to survive and medical care and everything else. Yes, it would be wonderful if it would all be free, but it's not and that's not reality cuz nothing in this world is free. Everything comes at a cost. It's a trade-off. So I think that what you're seeing around the world is sort of a populist uprising of not not like nationalism or anything else, really. It's just a leave me alone. You don't know what's best for me. You're not here to tell me how to live and what to do. I will I will be responsible for my own safety. You just get out of my way. 
and stop stop with this. Stop with these things that don't work. Like you keep threatening, like, oh, it's enough with the carrots. Let's give them a stick. Like, okay. Yeah, well, your boy Fauci's uh, considering mask mandates or mask requirements again for even the vaccinated. It's amazing. Let's not go there right now. It's, it's amazing to think that reasonably intelligent people are still pushing masks out there as if they have any significant impact on the spread of an aerosolized virus. Also, Dr. Fauci, I'd love to ask you this question. Remember a year ago when you said if it was driven by asymptomatic spread, it would be the first time in human history that a respiratory virus spread asymptomatically as the primary driver? I mean, I remember when you said it. So is this the first time in human history or are we just doing this for theater? Why do we have asymptomatic people with masks on? Why? Is, did it meet that exception? Is this the first time that it has been driven by asymptomatic spread? Did you know the CDC website still says that if uh, asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic spread could be estimated to be as high as 50% of the spread? I believe it. That, that's on the CDC website based on a model that, that was running projections. And that is broadcast for all of these people to look at and read. And meanwhile, we have actual real-world results that we have meta-analysis that looked over all of these people that got COVID and everything else, and we know it's less than 1%. We know that. And yet somehow the CDC just wants to ignore that, and they want to run with their model that says, well, it could be as high as 50. No, it couldn't. It's not possible. The same way that there was no way that we were going to have, what was the death count supposed to be, 2 million people not counting nursing home deaths by Neil, Niall Ferguson? 2 million people with no nursing home deaths. That was, that was the original projection. And now let's talk about the 600,000 number that we actually did die. Why have we still not gone back and, and rectified that number? We know that it's incorrect. We know that we were counting anybody that had a positive COVID test in the previous 30 to 60 days, depending on the state, and then died, counted as a COVID death. Somebody went back through and looked at all the pediatric ones. You know what they found out? Uh, yeah, there was almost none. And all of the pediatric deaths did occur in kids that were already susceptible to respiratory illness. They had a pre-existing condition that made them particularly susceptible to a virus of this nature. But your average kid with, with what we would call normal health, for lack of a better word, no chance of dying. And yet we ignore this. We're still pretending like kids are a big risk of this and a big driver of the spread. Like, this is insanity. I'm, I'm done. I, I can't play this stupid game with you anymore. You're not even, like, presenting good information. You're presenting nonsense. I expect you at the protest. That's I will Listen, I've never gone to a protest in my entire saying. life. I will actually go all on right, a protest good, for good. this one. And if they try to make kids wear masks to schools, I honestly don't know. I might actually pull my kids from school. I, yeah, I we should, can't We should start a this. private school. With that, that, that We have to figure that out. There's got to be teachers out there who will teach small group classes to maskless kids. Yeah, I'm just, I'm so fed up with this of, like, this is nuts. Like, well, kids are resilient. I don't give a shit if my kid is resilient. Stop asking them to do this craziness. Yeah. Stop. This is crazy. And so picking up with the CDC there, so, and this will finish out the show. So, again, if you haven't already liked and shared the, uh, the video, please do so. Subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell. Um, the CDC, I don't know, some people say in quiet because I don't know if they're supposed to announce this kind of stuff or not, but... Uh, they withdrew the request uh, to the FDA for the uh, the PCR test for COVID uh, a couple of days ago. Um, 
I find it interesting. Most people latched on to this sentence. I'm going to read it here. Uh, this is part of the, uh, the paper here. CDC encourages laboratories to consider adoption of multiplexed method that can facilitate detection and differentiation of SARS-CoV-2 and influenza viruses. Now, I immediately took that as an implication that the PCR test that we were currently doing could not differentiate between the uh, SARS-CoV-2 and uh, influenza viruses. I'm not sure if I'm right about that, and I'll get into that a little bit here. But that seemed to set off a little bit of a uh, uh, social media storm there, basically, that the CDC was admitting that their PCR tests couldn't differentiate between SARS-CoV-2 and influenza, therefore being the reason why there was no influenza in all of 2020, I guess. Um, I sent this to you. Did you have any uh, initial thoughts there? And uh, what was your take there a little bit? I mean, it seems the science is well above my head. I'll be the first one to say that. Me as well. But based on that and some of the opinions that have come in from it and everything else, it it does appear that maybe it's not that it couldn't differentiate, but that it couldn't do it effectively and that people weren't bothering to do it. Yeah, it didn't seem like there was no incentive. So um, you guys may have remember we had uh, uh, Kevin McKernan on here. Uh, he is a former scientist, a PCR test expert, uh, former scientist with the Human Genome Project, and now currently he's doing the, uh, the, the genome for uh, cannabis and mushrooms. So if you guys, uh, he's helping out the... Uh, the uh, drug markets, if you will, in a sense, cleaning them up. So um, his take was a little different. He didn't say it was uh, an admission. He didn't say it was an admission. It wasn't an admission either. He just basically uh, pointed out some of the flaws that he found in the test as well and kind of pointed out to a, a financial incentive that the reimbursements for patients with COVID were much greater than those with influenza. So if you tested everybody first for COVID and you got the COVID test, there was no incentive to test for influenza at that point. So you, you know, your reimbursements, if you tested positive for flu and COVID could have been a little uh, confusing and messed up and maybe you weren't going to be able to get the full reimbursement. So there was a... And what's the difference? If you're, the, if you're in the position of being the one deciding to run another test, like you got COVID, am I going to test for the flu too? Right. For what benefit? Right. Like there's no, there, nobody's getting any benefit, you know, other than just, the world getting more data, but I mean, the, 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 the hospital is going to be reimbursed, you know, much larger, uh, through a COVID patient than they are a, uh, influenza patient. So there's, again, there's, there's incentive to test them for COVID and a disincentive to test them for, for, for the flu. And, you know, I'm guessing that played a role here. Uh, I'm not going to dismiss the idea that, uh, the, test couldn't differentiate i guess uh we'll probably never know unless we see the actual sequence there and see what they were actually testing for and i'm not sure if that's public or not um wouldn't know how to read it anyway right me neither um well hopefully i have asked uh kevin mckernan to come back on the show and he has agreed he was kind of allowing for uh he was being uh, attacked by some paid trolls on twitter so basically said he's going to wait to clear that up before he made any more appearances so he Thinks he's cleared there, so hopefully we'll have him in the next couple of weeks here. That would be fun. That'd be great. Um, but anyway, I wanted to bring that. You know, we've been this. We've talked about where's the flu here for months, and maybe we have an answer ish, or maybe a couple answers here uh, that might play a role in there. So, found that interesting, um, Mr. Husung. That kind of brings me to the end of the topics here. Is there any uh, words of enlightenment that you'd like to uh, leave the folks with until next Monday? Yeah. Or anything you'd like to follow up on the PCR stuff? Yeah, before the, I do the, the PCR thing yeah. is uh, if this 
goes the way it at least appears to be trending right now, which is that the the reason that we had no flus was because the the way that we were running tests, no flu tests were being done, a PCR was not being set or or utilized to pick it up. Man, all those folks that said the mass ended the flu are going to have a a real moment of complete denial, which I'm really looking forward to, by the way, because God bless them, they they're not going to take this lying down. Yeah. <laughs> There's no shot that they're just going to accept that this was. The the very obvious reality, I guess, all things considered, is that the, the there's no way the masks worked to stop the flu and had so little effect on COVID. It just never made sense. Never. Not not for a day. Um, that aside, I, I guess here's my words of enlightenment for anybody out there. If you're not going to get vaccinated, which I'm not here to tell anybody how to live, here would be my, my non-medical advice to you as somebody who just has read way too much of this and, and looked way too far into this number one get healthier seriously like that'll help your odds tremendously number two take vitamin d supplements and try to get sunlight regular vitamin d it makes a big difference it will help you in the long run and if you do happen to get sick go to a pharmacy buy a take-home covid19 test and take the test yourself if you have it no problem you can go to the Frontline Critical Care Coalition Doctors website and get on the phone, and for like 200 or 300 bucks, you can have the consultation, get your ivermectin and at all treatment, and get it cleared up. You don't need to put yourself at risk to just take a stand because, let's face it, if you are older and unhealthier, there is still a risk of this. So I'm not a fan of doing nothing. I, my attitude is I think you could take enough other steps to mitigate the risks more effectively than what the vaccine can. And that is make sure your vitamin D levels are good. Vitamin C probably can't hurt either, but I've only seen real studies on vitamin D. Vitamin D and try to eat healthy and do whatever else. But at the very minimum, get your vitamin D levels up. And if you do get sick, don't go to the doctor or the hospital to get it. They sell the tests right at pharmacies. Take the test, and if you get it, immediately go take ivermectin because it will have a huge impact on treatment and get, making you better. Yeah, you can take that as soon as you start getting symptoms, basically. So that was borderline medical advice, but please keep in mind, I am not a medical professional. I am not a doctor. I am not a scientist. I am not a health expert. I am none of these things. It's just my own musings and understandings from all of the reading that I have done on the subject is if I were in that position, if I were unvaccinated, am I still going with I'm not? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Assuming I wasn't Make vaccinated <laughs> and then I had COVID, I, that's, and I had symptoms, I would still want to know, but I'm not going into a hospital or a doctor. I would go and buy the take-home test, take the test, find out, and then I would personally call that number and consult with a doctor and get the ivermectin treatment because if I'm, if I'm looking at the data as objectively as I can, I'm way more comfortable with ivermectin than I am with Moderna or Pfizer vaccines. Um that despite 18 years of history, apparently, still have not passed full authorization and are only approved on emergency use. It's a red flag, whereas I have ivermectin, which has been called safer than water. And that let's just say that the prevention and treatment outcomes are comparable. So if I've got two ways to go, one has virtually no risk and one has unknown risk, I want to take the one that I know has practically zero risk. Even if the vaccine's totally safe, perfectly fine, and, you know, Stanley Johnson was way off base thinking that it was just population control through a forced vaccine. I love that it's always a prominent politician's parent that does this. Always. It's great. 
And it, does, it does make for a great story. It does. Like, I mean, listen, obviously, I'm not really claiming that that's what happened, but you have to appreciate the irony that no. this is what came out. Yeah. That's exciting. Thanks for making us all think about that for a week. <laughs> all right. That's what I do. On that note, uh, we will see you all again next Monday for the next live show. Uh, again, 12 p.m. Eastern. Uh, share and uh, like this uh, channel or this video and uh, subscribe to that channel. And if you want to donate, you can check out, you can go to anchor.com and uh, find us there and you can uh, become a, uh, uh, a one-time or recurring uh, supporter of the program here. So until we meet again, uh, we will see you all again uh, next Monday. Thank you for tuning in.